us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Live from the elegant pump room of the magnificent Palmer House, high atop Chicago, it is the last comic shop, and we now proudly present the song stylings of one, Michael J. Wood! Thank you, thank you, and welcome to Oktoberfest, where we flip between German and Russian accents because we're bad at this. <laughs> And our first tune is Dead Batman. Peter Man. Peter Man. I'm the host of Post Danny Larson. That was Michael J. Wood. That's your middle name, right? I'm getting it right, right? J is your middle name, right? Jason. Jason. Yeah, see? Yes. So I did get it right. Jason. And we've got J. Andrew Scott, and we've got Chad Smith. J. Chad I, I've got a J in the middle there, too. Oh, look at you! It's like synergy. It's all good. It's your the synergies. The synergies. (laughs) I love it. All right. Oh, thank you for coming back to the Last Comic Shop podcast for another week. This week's show, we've got uh, another zombie-related book. If you didn't get enough of those zombies a couple weeks ago when we did Marvel Zombies three, now we've got DC's version with deceased. So yeah, we'll be getting to that in just a second. But speaking of Oktoberfest, I thought that it was a good opportunity, given the fact that there's another thing that happens in the month of October other than Halloween, that maybe we can talk about that for a little while, because I've got a little bit of Halloween fatigue after the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to talk about Oktoberfest, because mm. I enjoy drinking some brews, and uh, our wonderful J.A. Scott has some facts about Oktoberfest that we hope to lay on all of our last comic shop list. Which I'm excited about because all I know about Oktoberfest is uh, involves barrels and lederhosen. And so <laughs> that's what I brought. And uh, I think I'm getting splitters. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to wear both. Like, oh. You're not supposed to wear like just the lederhosen and just the barrel. Like it's. Uh, I think I think if you don't wear both, then you're going to get more splinters. Yeah. <laughs> I just need thicker lederhosen. It's already bad. It could just yeah, get worse. Real quickly, before we get into the Oktoberfest, though, Chad, do you enjoy the pumpkin beers? Are you one of the pumpkin beer aficionados or no? Uh, there was one that I really, really enjoyed back in the day, but uh, that establishment has since uh, deceased. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's done. Uh, so that pumpkin beer is gone. So it's okay, but it's not uh, not my favorite anymore. J.A., pumpkin beers. No. <laughs> I put them in the same category as pumpkin spiced latte. That's also a no. Oh. Uh, Mikey. Pumpkin beer. I'm not really sure to be. Yeah, I had one called Pumpkin that was awesome. But I'm a pumpkin spice basic bitch, man. I put on my Uggs. Uggs. I do. I put on my Uggs and I put on my yoga pants and my big heavy sweaters. And I go to Starbucks and I get me some pumpkin spice. The spice must flow. I am the Quizak Hatterack. However it's pronounced. That's I love the spice. Wow. Love it. My eyes glow blue all fall. I am Fremen. It's right. wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of the pumpkin, last year I had the, 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 the brewery that makes pumpkin. They also came out with a pumpkin flavored whiskey. 
and Ooh. I had that. Ooh. I actually liked that more than the beer because mm. I don't know why. I just thought that Maybe. like the pumpkin flavor with the the whiskey was actually a more interesting, I don't know, combination than because I'm 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 not a big pumpkin spice fan, and I'm not a big pumpkin beer fan. I I like Oktoberfest though. I really do. Like I love yeah. a harvest time beer. Coleslaw that uh, doesn't taste like coleslaw. <clears throat> Yum. Yeah. The pumpkin spice conspiracy is like the best marketing thing I've ever seen. Because you can you can get cinnamon now. Like you can go get it. <laughs> like all of these things are available to you. It's not like cinnamon, allspice, and nutmeg disappear. Yeah. The rest <laughs> no of- pumpkin. No right. pumpkin in the pumpkin but, spice. That's right. No pumpkin at all. And you can actually get pumpkin all year, too. It's in cans. You can just get it. <laughs> like it's already mashed up or whatever. Well, one thing that you can't get all year is Oktoberfest, right? right? So, J.A., why don't you lay on some uh, fun facts about Oktoberfest? Like, for example, where did Oktoberfest start? Well, uh, Oktoberfest started in Bavaria. Okay. As I'm sure most people know, but what most people may not know, it was originally a horse race. Ooh! <laughs> Were they champing? Champing at the... <laughs> oh, you know it. You know it. So it was a horse race to celebrate the wedding of Prince Regent Ludwig of Bavaria, who was later King Ludwig I, and Princess Therese of saxony Hilberghausen. They were honored with a huge horse race, uh, and they were married on the 12th of October, 1810, Ah, with festivities taking place on the 17th October on the grounds of uh, their castle. Okay. And people wore barrels and lederhosen to the wedding? (laughs) (laughs) No, that kid, nobody wore a chicken hat either. Like, it was fine. However, in 1810... After the wedding, everyone said, that was awesome. We want to do it again. (laughs) And so they just kept on getting drunk every year around this time. So then it went from being a wedding to a Landwirtschaft Lichter there in in Bayern, which is the Bavarian Agricultural Association, basically celebrating all things Bavaria. Ah, so it turned into a county fair. Yes. (laughs) Okay. However, everybody can get by in that. Uh, just three years later, it had to be canceled because of the Napoleonic Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you'll have that. I don't know, though. I mean, that would still be a reason to drink, right? I mean, uh, Napoleon. I don't know. You get one case of chafing from these hoes and you can get pretty angry. People aren't usually celebrating during the war. But after the war, at the conclusion of the war, uh, it started up again and was made a top priority in 1819 because of the amount of crowds it was guaranteed to draw and the amount of wealth it generated for the city been uh going on ever since obviously probably uh with the exception of world war one and world war two and when it was stopped because of horribleness tried to ruin everything (laughs) that's right so the other question I had is like I get you know everybody equates Oktoberfest with like sausages, sausages and pretzels. If you're in the you know like oh let's have some some bratwurst or knockwurst or whatever. Actually, that's not the most famous food there, right? It's like actually the one of the first foods was uh, wasn't it chicken? <laughs> yes, uh, in 1881, 
they opened a roast chicken stand there. I don't know if it was a precursor to KFC or not, but uh, or Kenny Rogers, probably. <laughs> and is that and why he, they had to hire all the polka bands for the chicken dances? Oh, yes. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, if you're going to be drinking, I mean, you need you need food, right? Like, so like yeah. this was this was brilliant, like. Opening up a fried chicken stand or well roasted chicken stand, mm. I guess. Whoever did that, man, they should win. They should win the Nobel Prize. You know, my my, my my father lived in Germany when he was in the Air Force, and he almost starved to death in the first week because every time he went into the restaurant and asked what the best food was, they said it's the worst. That's the wor- You're the worst. Good night, everybody. Oh, okay. That's just terrible. So now it is the world's largest folk festival, attracts over 6 million people annually, breaking new records for beer consumed and chicken devoured. So (laughs) there you go. If you are into drinking beer and or chicken, I suggest you head over to uh, Bavaria and get yourself some chicken and beer. And there you go. And in the spirit of this book, grab yourself a giant chicken leg and tear into it with your zombie faces and get to it. Yes, but they're not zombies. They're not zombies. That's right. That they're not. No, as we'll get to in just a second, right after these commercial breaks, they are definitely not zombies here uh-uh. in Deceased. So let's go ahead and get to that book. So we'll be right back with our comic book review right after these messages. Hi, it's Carlo Calantuan, last comic shop podcast listener and comic book tragic here in the Philippines. My boy. When I'm in the U.S., I'm always on the lookout for a good deal on boards, bags, boxes, and all other manner of comic book-related supplies. And that's why I love to go to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off of all my orders. Not only do I get a discount on everything I buy at BCW, but I'm able to support the podcast when I use LCSPOD at checkout. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head over to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD. Oh, and guys, I'm still waiting for that trusty review. Come on, when is it? Hazel always knew there was something special about her cat, Mooney, but she's still shocked when Mooney opens his mouth to tell her he's just had a vision. An ancient evil has awoken after centuries of sleep, and only one man can stop it the legendary warrior, Beowulf. Unfortunately, it's been over a thousand years since he slayed a dragon, and he's been reincarnated as this guy. His name is Victor, and he's more unemployed millennial slacker than mighty warrior. Go to monarchpublishing.net for a free sample comic. Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review! Yes! Where we are going to tuck in to some wonderful zombie stuff. Tom Taylor really did a lot with this particular concept. He took something that could have been, I don't know, crap. <laughs> and he yeah, made it really he took, good. He took oh, something no. that could have been Marvel Zombies and made it. Oh, oh. I do want to talk about that, because again, if you're Marvel a last Zombies comic shop listener just two weeks ago, we covered Marvel Zombies 3, which is one of my favorite books of all time. So, like, I don't think there's any better zombie book than that one. We're going to see, because evidently I'm going to probably, probably get voted down. Fred Van Lenty will have to come to my rescue about how his book is better. But in any case, uh, let's get to who else worked on this other than Tom Taylor, and we'll get that directly from Chad. So, Chad, who else worked on the six-part 
miniseries Deceased, which we're reading on today's program. That's right. The six-part miniseries Deceased, which led into the three-part sequel miniseries Deceased, uh, Good Day to Die, and the Deceased One-Shots, and then Deceased Dead Planet, and then Deceased Dead World. It started a whole big thing of Deceased things. But for this first go-round, you have Tom Taylor on the writing duties. On art, your primary artist is Trevor Hairsign, and Neil Edwards helps out. Uh, James Heron chips in. Stefano Guidano does inks. And then on colors, you have Rain Barreto. And on letters, we have Saida Temafonte. So it's deceased, because the whole time I was calling it DCEased. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you want to get real literal and you look at the letters, no, I, I will say this I forgot to mention that this is not only Chad's pick for the Halloween season. But Chad, this is also an important book because it is a part of the Year of Chad! I know. One person we didn't mention on the art duties, it's the person that drew me to the book at, at first, is uh, I've got the variant covers by Francesco Mattina. Dun, dun, dun. And recently, uh, Marvel made waves by upping their prices a dollar to four ninety nine for their standard books. Uh, with Deceased, first couple of covers were regular priced, but then DC actually had started an initiative back in 2019 with like a cardstock cover where they raised the price a dollar. So they've been selling $5 books for quite some time, and the industry has borne it. I, I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I, I skipped this book the first time around. I'd heard positive things, but I'm like, oh, okay, zombies and Batman costumes. Yeah, yeah, sounds fun. What drove me to pick it up was the pandemic. I don't know if I should talk about this on the show, because I don't like admitting to crimes on the pandemic. But uh, <laughs> but during the pandemic, all the comic shops were deemed uh, not necessary businesses and were shut down. And uh, while that was going on, my comic shop stayed open. Oh. It was like a speakeasy for comic <laughs> books. I, I felt like it was the 1920s, 1930s, but like my heart went out to all these people, you know, and not just comic shops, but a lot of folks in the pandemics that, you know, with their businesses suffering and some places were allowed to be open and some places weren't. And But I was like, I need new stuff to buy. I'd still go in once a week and like sneak in and, and see what was there. And, and one of the books caught my eye were these beautiful, uh, Francesco Mattina deceased covers. And I was like, yeah, okay. I know that Tom Taylor guy. I've seen his name before. I've heard good things. I'll pick it up. And wouldn't you know, I loved it. It's great stuff. But, you know, mm. were it not that terrible tragedy and that, uh, in my mind, like cool, subversive, speaky, easy like atmosphere, I may have kept on walking. No. Oh. We're, we're very glad that you didn't. And let's go ahead and get that 10 cent synopsis from mm. Michael J. Wood. Uh, on what happens in these sensations. <laughs> Dark side wins and everyone else loses. Um, I mean, for people who are really hung up on things, this is, I guess, saying it. It's an Elseworlds story, of course. It's out of continuity and it's its own story. Um, Dark side actually gets what he's always looked for. He figures out the anti-life equation and it is a literally an anti-life equation. And it is transmuted through both digital means and uh, germ means, and it starts to overtake the planet Earth, um, including 
our favorite DC heroes who have to band together to actually save the world from probably the greatest threat that it's ever faced and fail. It's a very, very dark book. There are little rays of sun, but nothing ends well. Unless you're Lex Luthor, because then no, not only are you the smartest man on the world in the world, because Wait, Batman died. Batman's That's still the, dead, right? That was like the best line in the whole book. But it, Superman it, dies too, so then you 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 lose your main antagonist. Yeah, that is true. If you were Lex Luthor, it was a banner day. Kapow. I, that's the thing. Um, you know, one of the wonderful things about this particular series is, uh, again, first off, it does turn on its head the whole notion of, quote unquote, what is a zombie? Because, like, again, like somebody says says it at some point in, in the story is like they're not really driven by hunger. They're driven by anti-life like they just want people to die. And anybody that's infected with this just wants to kill other well, people. And don't forget how it infects people. The metaphor. Well, yeah. that was, I was going to get to that last because oh, of all okay. the things in this particular book, there's there's like 95% of things I love. And then there's 5% what I hate, which is, and I really do hate the whole digital way that it transfers digitally. Like I, I, I never, yeah. I still to this day, no, that's stupid. It is a math equation after all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how else do we spread hate these days? But digitally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get why he did it, but I just thought, like, he should have picked either one or the other. I would have been fine if it was just all digital, but, like, and he's just like, yeah, but we also got to do the regular zombie thing. And I'm just like, no, nah, you got to pick. You got to pick one way or the other, because this otherwise is just, no. But I will say this, and, and I think that I said this to Chad when he originally made me read it, that the main reason why this is so good is because Tom Taylor is, like, pitch perfect with a lot of the character voices. Like he gets how characters would interact. And when things are so final, people are going to be coming to their ends. Yeah. Spoiler uh, alert, Hal Jordan bites it at issue one. Right? Yeah. Issue one. There's this heartbreaking scene where Superman goes back to Smallville and his his dad's been infected with the zombie virus and he locks him back in like the the grain cellar or whatever. And his oh. mom's like, we can't leave your dad behind. And Superman's like, mom, dad's not here. That's and he well, flies I mean, away. And I'm like, oh my God. Spoil- so- I mean, spoilers, by the yeah. way. The pitch perfect way that all of these characters <clears throat> talk and they interact with it each is, other. Yeah. And especially when there's stakes. You know what I mean? There's stakes involved in this book. Like, not like the DC death. versus vampires. Not those stakes. <laughs> that was also really good too, though. That was that, that was really good. That was yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But I do want to start off with the 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 guy that hasn't read as much DC as maybe Mikey Wood, who is our DC aficionado, yeah. and Chad Smith, and that's J.A. Scott. What what are your thoughts? I think I, I've been on record as saying that DC does these elseworld stories better than marvel they don't worry about continuity they give you a nice self-contained story they don't care if they're killing the earth or blowing up or 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 destroying half of their heroes you know 
Hal Jordan bites it in, in issue two. Superman doesn't survive. Batman, I think he dies in issue two as well. Or he, the, the Green Arrow gets through most of the book, which is kind of great because no one, even Batman's like, I didn't bother writing a contingency plan if Green Arrow turns evil because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just hurts his feelings. And there is, spoiler alert, there's a great moment at, at Green Arrow in issue six where he says... <laughs> You Batman. Yeah, I yeah, made a yeah. Shot half a mile away into yeah. Aquaman's head. Yeah, yeah. And they, so. they know, I remember there was a big stink because um, Nightwing. Well, I mean, I know it's this way with Marvel. But usually with Marvel, it's like the female characters, like like Dazzler and Jubilee and like fucking Squirrel Girl. Like they have yeah. rabid fan bases, right? Nightwing has this rabid fan base, and they were so pissed because he. Like the first one, like one of the first ones who's who's dead. But it's so incredible because Batman goes down and it's the first time like you see these heroes that could because, you know, you read comics and you're like, well, you know, they're going to get out of this one. Even I did like reading the course of it. I knew that when they were finding the flashes, I'm like, oh, they're going to travel through time and they're going to stop it from happening. And that's not what happens. Like, it's like so it's watching these heroes that can usually get out of anything, not get out of these things. Batman being so Batman where he's like, I'm inside one of Mr. Freeze's costumes and I've lowered my body temperature. So the virus slows down. Like he knows what he's doing, but he's like, I'm going to die. And like, you know, sending the bat suit to Damien and Damien having to deal with, you know, all of uh, like his. Oh, Mikey, <sighs> you left out who kills Batman. And like, oh that's one God. of those Tom Taylor moments. with a shotgun. Yeah. Oh. Shotgun. And he says, I'm sorry, son, and blows his head off. Like, it's just like wrenching. Like, it's, but then, like, Alfred flying the Batwing. Like, come on. Like, it's just so, everything is so pitch perfect and incredible. Oh, even, even, even at the end, when you think, okay, you know, everyone's kind of died and, and, and they're fleeing Earth and it, it, it's become this, everything is horrible. Yeah. But then Cyborg wakes up and he's like, wait a minute. No, I know the answer. I have to go get to them. And, and, and uh, zombie Wonder Woman rips his head off and says, life is suffering. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed this the first time around. Just I think it was just because I bought the first Marvel zombies and I was like, eh, all right, that's goofy. The only thing, and I don't know if it comes up later on, I was waiting for Swamp Thing. Like I was waiting for Swamp Thing and the green to do something because Poison Ivy does something with like Poison Ivy's awesome in this and Harley's awesome in this. Harley's awesome because like out of all the characters, Harley's like the one who doesn't crack. Like uh, uh, she's already okay. cracked, right? Yeah, she's like, oh, everybody's dead now. Okay, <laughs> you know, and she's like, let's well, go. She's, got, she's always one of those characters I feel like would fit in very well in a Mad Max post-apocalyptic universe. She yeah. feels like one of those, I don't know, playing a guitar on top of a a, a truck with giant steel things. Yeah. Yeah, but no, Jay, we interrupted you. Did you, what was your take? Because I am interested too. Because you. I, in my mind, this is a super accessible book, but I'm also looking at it like, oh, he might not know who Damien is or who John is or, you know, all that other stuff. I don't think you need to know who those people are. You can, you work out quite quickly that Damien is obviously Bruce Wayne's son and, and you've got Superman's got a boy. So if you didn't know that, the story presents itself. As I, as I was saying before we got tangentially <laughs> tangent, <laughs> is DC does these stories really well where it doesn't worry about continuity it doesn't worry about killing its characters it just tells a very 
well-defined, self-contained storyline. I feel they do it a lot better than Marvel does, and this is one of the examples of that. I loved it. I thought it was much better than Marvel Zombies because they didn't pull any punches. They... I mean, Batman dies in issue two, and then you've got no Batman. You, Hal Jordan gone. They're, they're just. It was almost like they had this dartboard of DC heroes on the wall, and just started throwing darts. And wherever the darts landed, that person died. Yeah. Now I will stick up for Marvel Zombies three because it was Marvel Zombies three, and Marvel Zombies one and two had a chance to run roughshod with the Marvel Universe proper. And you'd get your moments with Zombie Cap and Zombie Spider-Man and all those heroes the public knows about. And by the time you get to Marvel Zombies 3, it's like the exact opposite of this. Where right. you yeah. you need the, the canon. You need to know who Jocasta is. You need to care about Machine Man. Right. Well, I, I'm just going to simply say, like, this is the di- it's the major difference between this particular book and the one that we did earlier. Not to say that it's not because I love that book. I love both of these books, honestly. But I just feel like they're different tracks. I, I was going to say Deceased is kind of more like if you wanted to sit down and you wanted to watch, I don't know, The Last of Us. Right. Like that. That's your show versus like you're watching Ash versus the Evil Dead. One is like played for kind of laughs with some horror-related things. I mean, you get Machine Man riding Ghost Riders, and he says it, it handles like a shopping cart. That's that's played for laughs. Sure, there's some laugh moments and some witty dialogue in Deceased, but this is really gut-wrenching drama. When you put everything out on the table and you just lay every character bare... And you say, no, like if Superman had to go run around killing every single person and had to like kind of like dehumanize or just shut himself down so that he didn't realize that's what he was doing. Like that's intense to think about. It, but it's just tracks. I hope that people understand that you can enjoy both because oh, they're yeah. just they're, it's apples and oranges for me, at least. Right. The one thing I wanted to add too, this piggybacks off what you mentioned earlier, Andy, is that Tom Taylor just gets it when it comes to these characters. There are certain writers, like Mark Wade is one, where he just knows the essence of a character. You know if Mark Wade is writing the book, you're going to get something that fits in with how you see that character, and it's going to be pitch perfect. And Tom Taylor does that in, in a way, and he's given the opportunity, because this is that Elseworld style story, to let things be the way they should be. Uh, not only does he let legacy characters become legacy characters, you get to see John become Superman. You get to see uh, Damien assume the mantle of Batman in this book. You also get like the flash. The flash should be a formidable opponent for Superman, right? Yeah. He never is. He no. never is because DC can't let Superman look inferior to the flash. But like in this book, Tom Taylor squares that up and it's like, no, Flash mm-hmm. is going to be the guy that takes out Superman. On paper, that's how it should work. But it, for corporate synergy reasons, it never happens that way. But Tom Taylor, he does it every time. He did it here. Mm-hmm. He did it in Injustice. Like, he just takes these characters and be like, no, if this happened, you know, Green Arrow is going to be discounted, but he's going to, you know, show up strong in the end. Or this is going to be like, it's just everything goes the way that it yeah. should, even in these terrible stories. I've never read Injustice either because I thought it was like a video game tie-in, so I just skipped it. I didn't realize it was a big, long thing. And it should be garbage, but it's not. And and this is the first time that I've ever seen Martian Manhunter do anything of actual consequence and look cool while he's 
killing people. Oh yeah, Lex <laughs> Luthor, by the way, bites it through yeah. the Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Well, and, and the the thing that works the best about this particular book, as somebody that's more of a Marvel fan than a DC, and I'm not going to say that this is always the case, but traditionally you got DC characters and they're gods, and sometimes it's difficult to to give stakes to characters that are gods because they can pretty much god their way out of anything. But when you lay that bare and you remove the kind of the god aspects. Like in the first, what, I don't know, 15 pages, Darkseid bites it. Like even yeah. the main bad yes. guy. Like Darkseid like, is, Darkseid was. Right, yeah. exactly. None of these characters are safe. And, and so when you remove that notion where like Superman can bite it, you know, Flash can bite it, Green Lantern can bite it, Wonder Woman can bite it, all of these characters, they're on the table and they could get the axe at any moment. All of a sudden, you're able to focus more on like them as people. They're not gods anymore. They're just people. They're people dealing with a terrible situation that keeps on progressively getting worse and yeah. worse to the point where they just their only option is to run away. Like not to fight yeah. it, to run. Like to run as fast and as far as they can. Mm. I, that's that's just gorgeous. That's I don't know. It, re- it reminded me a lot of Star Trek: First Contact. Picard is like doing everything he can to save the thing, and the and the and the human lady was finding like Picard blow up the goddamn ship. You know, like there's nothing left to do. You have lost, and that's what these people. I mean, they managed to you know save what like seven million people or something. Like very few people. They they get off the planet. They do man, but but Earth is done. Earth is quarantined by the Green Lantern Corps who show up at the last moment, is which is die. awesome. Yeah, the sun's going to die because Superman's draining it. It ends on a hopeful note, the same way Empire Strikes Back ends. What do we do now? And it's Going and to it Earth really, 2. Going to yeah. Earth 2. Because that's what DC does. When, you, when you're done with Earth, you go to Earth 2. To go back to Andy's point about them being gods, it, it still works that way. You still have like their elemental forces where people rise up and fill the voids of all these other characters. And that's where the legacy guys come in. And uh, yeah. And it's, I still have to read um, the last chapter that just came out within the last year or so. Don't know exactly how everything wraps up, but this story, it it isn't just here. They go throughout the DC universe. There's a mini series that goes into the villains and what all the bad guys are doing. You get Mm -hmm. all those suicide squad type bad guys becoming good guys and bad guys being bad guys. And like, I don't know. They they touch all the bases of the DC universe. You get your Constantines. Uh, oh, do you? In. Do oh, you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Later on down the line. Yeah, I was um, wondering, like, with with like the endless or anything like that, if they come in or what happens, you know? Yeah, Tom but. Taylor. He touches all the bases in a way. It's respectful, but it it just feels right. The regular DC to me never feels as right as their Elseworlds tales, and this just feels like the way that it should be. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. in the, before we get to commercial break, the last thing I wanted to ask is, again, we've got Mike Key on our show, yeah. and he's the DC aficionado. Oh. And I just want to simply ask, as a story, it sounds like you really like this. D- it didn't bother you at all that, like, you know, all these characters just got axed or whatever. No, you- no, no. Like, quite the opposite. I thought it was fa- fantastic. I thought they took really good chances. I thought they did things that you kind of wouldn't expect. Like, you expect... Well, I guess if you've read stuff for long enough, you expect Superman to be one of two things. He either saves the day or sacrifices himself. 
to save the day. Right. You know, right. And that doesn't happen in this. And like Batman, same way, like that, like there's very Batman moments where they talk about how Batman has contingency plans to off everybody. And that was what, um, there was a whole thing about it yeah. in, in the, in Grant Morrison's justice league years. And Tower years of Babel. It was right. actually Mark Wade. Oh, was it Mark Wade? Right, okay. Right after Grant Morrison. Right. Yeah. Okay. Was that with Prometheus or whatever? I think, or yeah, it was around that time. Yeah. So like Batman keeps a database on how to stop all of these people, because that's something Batman would do because you never know when something terrible is going to happen. Like I mentioned, you know, there are people who are very upset about their favorite heroes going out in ways that they didn't want them to, or didn't whatever. And I don't, I don't claim ownership or have any, I don't hold any characters precious, so I like when writers do something really different with them. Like I really love Tom King's Batman because he put Batman through the ringer, like through the ringer and people didn't like that, you know? No. And, I, and in that series, when Batman and Superman swap costumes, Superman's like, why is this so itchy? He's like, yeah, I have a, I have it dusted with kryptonite just in case. Yeah. 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 Like, like it's, it's just, it's cool because, and, and you actually do feel there are touching moments of, like you said, humanity. It brings them down to a human. You almost, you actually feel the love between some of these characters. Like everything is pitch. Right. The voices are so right. And it makes me want to read more. Cause this is the, to my knowledge, this is the first Tom Taylor thing I've read. I have a couple of issues of Nightwing that fall into like fear state, like crossover. Cause I'm a big crossover whore. Um, I have a couple of those things, but this is the first thing that I've read. I really, really love it. And I would love it if this was like the main continuity. That would have been awesome, but they're not that brave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if it was, it wouldn't be as awesome as it is. Because like I said, you wouldn't be able to have Flash. All right. Yeah, it's true. Better yeah. Superman. And you know what I mean? Well, yeah. we'll be right back with more of the last comic shop right after these commercial breaks with our rating of deceased as well as some recommendations of other books you can pick up while you're drinking your Oktoberfest or pumpkin spice beer. Stay tuned. The Santo sisters are back with a brand new comic book. Can Alana lead the charge to find Todd's stolen car? How did cinnamon bun gain sentience in the Las Brisas mall food court? And why is Ambar using drugs? All this and more in issue five of the Santo sisters. Find the Santo Sisters comic book in your local comic shop or online at floatingworldcomics.com. What if you could live with your favorite fictional characters and have a place to connect with the best nerdy neighbors and creators out there? Join us on your friendly neighborhood comic show. Every week, we keep hope, give help, and share comics with all. With games, interviews, and more, this isn't your average talk show. It's a living neighborhood. We are honored to be your CBC comic book community award-nominated nerdy neighborhood. So what are you waiting for? Come join the fun and join the neighborhood. It's your friendly neighborhood comic show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we don't need any pumpkin spice to get our listeners to continue listening to the show. We just have a one out of four scale that J.A. gives us that comes with a peppy sound effect. So, J.A., what is our one out of four scale this week? Well, I think this was underplayed and we hardly talked about it. But the whole fact that everyone is getting infected by math. (laughs) It's an equation that is killing people. So we're going to do one out of four math equations. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and start off. It's hard not to give it a four. I loved like 95% of this. And then there was 5%. I was just like, eh, and I still don't like it. 
And so I, I guess that's going to be a 3.95 math equation. Yeah, what don't you like? Is it just I don't it's... like the fact that it's transmitted both digitally and through bytes. Like, I get that, like, zombies have to do the, the biting. If you're doing it by bytes, I mean, there's the whole data bite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that he should have picked one or the other. I get that it was like a math equation. I get that, like... Cyborg was the originally the one that brought it in. I thought it was badass how it all started, though, because, like, Darkseid basically gets Black Racer to show up, and then he, like, stabs him, and he's like, give me some death! <laughs> yeah. Give me a little my death fix thing. Like, I get it. Like, eventually, that's the whole zombie thing, that, that, which is the terrifying part where people would eat each other. Cannibalism is just awful. But at the same time, like, eh. But I will say to those folks that were really pissed off that Nightwing was one of the first heroes to bite it. Actually, that is one of the best parts of this book, because what is Nightwing to the DC universe but its heart? It really, truly is. Whether it's Mm. Superman, whether it's Batman, the big two of the DC universe, they both rely on Dick Grayson to be their heart that moral compass, the the kid in all of us that comes through and says, let's work together, guys. So getting rid of him, putting him off the chessboard from the start, that branches up the stakes, like incredibly. Plus the fact that I think that's who ends up offing Batman is like his boys. His boys are the ones that bite him to death. It starts that snowball of like everything is on the board. And that's what I really do love about this. So I, I said it before, I'll say it again. It takes gods, and they basically throw all that god stuff out the window, and they're just like, okay, anybody can die. And that, as a narrative device, is extremely freeing, because it just allows you to just play with all the concepts. And so, yeah, it's a 3.95. I, I'm not good at math. J.A. So this came out in 2019, but it, it really did sort of, um, it was almost prescient the way it it deals with things that we had to deal with in 2020 and and beyond not just pandemic versus zombie apocalypse stuff but also then you know the whole digital thing looking what's going on with social media and and the death of certain platforms um maybe makes you want to look away i did like by the way how superman was able to overcome the whole digital thing by basically just staring at everyone with x-ray vision the entire time That was a nice little touch. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a four. I loved it. As I said, it it can exist by itself. You don't have any care of what's going to happen to the the heroes or, you know, you're not invested because you know it's not the main sort of DC universe. Then you can just enjoy the story. Uh, And it's a really well done story. Everyone has their little moments. Except for Nightwing. I don't know if he has a moment. He, he, <laughs> he does. does. He does. It's just a creepy one. It's yeah. just a creepy yeah. one. Yeah. He, 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 no Scarecrow, though. And as we said, no um, Swamp Thing. Where was the green? Yeah. We just, I guess, Ivy, Poison Ivy sort of filled give the it, Swamp Thing void. Give, give it time. time. Give, give it time. Uh, he oh, he comes in later. Okay. okay. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved it. I'm giving it a four. Mikey, what did yeah. you think? Oh, it's a four, man. It's it is. It's a four. Like every every cliffhanger was a great cliffhanger. Every end of it, like I would imagine reading this monthly, getting to the end of that page and being like, "Oh my god," you know, and having to wait. Like it was just just really good. It had some of some of the best moments for some of my favorite characters 
happened in in this and and you know me i'm a big dc slut and um it hit every single (laughs) (laughs) g-spot for lack of a better term yeah and some and some really great covers and artwork we hardly mentioned the art we were talking about the story the entire time the only off-putting thing i had was the first issue had a bit of a artist switch midway through the book yeah, for the uh, the dark side stuff on uh, yeah. New Genesis. Oh my God, Cyborg was so good. He had so so many good lines. When he said he's he's like, I try not to kink shame. He's like he's like <laughs> crucified on this thing, and he's still like pulling one liners and everything. Like, oh God, I want to see this animated. Like you'd think they'd do it if they haven't already. I don't know if it's on the slot, but I want to see like a DC movie of this. That would be great. All Heck right. yeah. Well, it is the year of Chad. I'm guessing you're giving this a four, Chad. Well, so it's funny. Like it's been mostly fours or close to fours all around. I, I don't want folks to think this book is perfect because I know in the past I've leveled criticisms where they be like, "Chad, you're such a hypocrite." Uh, does this book tell a complete story? No. When you get to the end of that, it is a cliffhanger. It is not complete, other than everything is ruined, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned the art inconsistencies. That is something that I've been critical of other stories in the past, where when you're swapping artists throughout, and uh, for the most part, uh, in the main books, it's it's usually Tom Taylor and Trevor Hersine, you know, with some other helpers along the way. Some of the offshoots, they'll bring in other artists throughout the tale, but I, I don't always like all those artistic jumps. You know, it, it takes me out a little bit. So those those are definitely legitimate criticisms. But at the end of the day, there's something about Tom Taylor's voice and his grasp of the DC universe, where if you watched Challenge of the Super Friends, you can get this book. If you watch the DCU movies, you could understand like the basic gist of this book and enjoy it. There's just something that he makes things so accessible. And I will say, as I've read through a lot of the other stuff, this is the high watermark. Like they're diminishing returns throughout the, the remainder of the things. But that's because Tom Taylor's busy getting into the, the deeper necks of the woods of the DC universe and touching all those different bases. So it becomes closer and closer to Marvel Zombies 3, but not quite anywhere near that. It's good. And Tom Taylor knows the notes to play. I, I was going to mention earlier uh, when Mikey was talking about Green Arrow and how Green Arrow shouldn't be one of the last ones left, but he always is. Yeah, he always is. He's like one of those cockroaches where there's always going to be. He might not have both arms like in Dark Knight, but that's a note. It should be cliche, but the way Tom Taylor plays it, it's not. He knows how to do things the right way. And boy, yeah. is this series done the right way. So uh, after pointing out all those critical elements, yeah, it's still a four. This is great. It, it belongs as part of the year at Chad. Uh, I, I love it. I was so happy that uh, I took a chance on it whenever I was like, well, I just need to buy something to help my comic shop guy out. And like for the covers, don't they say, don't judge a book by a cover. Uh, no, when it's deceased and they have those Francesco Matina covers, they're worth the extra buck for the card stock. They're just beautiful and scary. And oh, I wish they would have continued throughout. But anyway, four, four math equations. Yeah. Uh, one of the last points I want to say is uh, Chad, to your point about like, you know, this ends on kind of like a cliffhanger or whatever. Honestly, I think actually that's some of the strength of this particular book, because honestly, I don't really want to know how this is all resolved. The whole point of this book is like, I hate to say it, let's destroy the DC universe. Let's lay it there and let's, let's just 
see what happens next. And I just, I, I feel like that's the strength of it. Like, I feel like rebuilding or finding out what's next, that's actually going to, that would actually ruin it for me. So I, I may not uh, read anymore. And I don't think I have. I think I read the first issue of the next one, Good Day to Die, because it had Mr. Miracle and Barda. And you know how I love Mr. Miracle and Barda. But then they yeah. they they died, and I got pissed about that. <laughs> Speaking of things we hope you don't get pissed about uh, is our recommendations. Hopefully you'll enjoy these recommendations, other books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop in addition to Deceased. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and start off with J.A. Scott. So, J.A., what have you got for us this week? So I am recommending Kali by Daniel Friedman and Robert Samalin. It is a graphic novel from Dark Horse Comics. This is very much sort of Mad Max, Fury Road type stuff. It starts out, this chick is almost murdered by her biker gang. They cast her out. She swears vengeance on everyone. And they're going up against a big bad guy, very, very much like... Uh, Fury Road and then she finds out that she's about to she's got like 24 hours to live because they stabbed her and the knife was laced with a poison and then she just goes on this massive mission to bring down this evil corporation that's taking over the world and and destroying everyone so if you like post-apocalyptic type stories if you loved Mad Max Fury Road this one is for you Mikey what do you got for us uh, you know, I am going to recommend because we're talking about spooky stuff. Uh, I'm going to recommend Dan Brereton's Nocturnals. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Brereton. He's an incredible painter. He painted wonderful things like Thrill Killer, the Elseworld story with with Robin and Batgirl. He has done a world's finest series for DC. He did the famous trading card for Star Wars that actually showed Boba Fett without his helmet on for the first time ever that they retconned because that's not what he looks like. Um, but yeah, the Nocturnals. Um, it is about a group of spooky superheroes, things like the Gun Witch and 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 the Raccoon and things like that. And it's it's very very Halloweeny, lots of pumpkins and lots of fall leaves, and very pulpy um, and wonderful. And there's two omnibuses out. They're hardcover. Um, you can actually buy signed copies off of BudsArtBooks.com for like thirty bucks a piece for each one of the the hardcover omnibuses and they're so worth it it's like such a great series and it, it, it's so fun and wonderful so the nocturnals that's my thing there you go and dan barrington speaking of spooky work and uh years past he worked on frankencastle yes. Uh, Halloween yes. Fave. yes. yeah I, I remember him from all the marvel cards he would do art for yeah. some of those too like excellent he, his style is awesome Make sure you go back and listen to our Frankencastle review from last year. Any case, my recommendation this week kind of goes along with the Halloween season, and it's one of my favorite characters that uh, I think is very appropriate for this time of year, and that is the Scarlet Witch. If you know me, and you've been a Last Comic Shop podcast listener for a long time, I love the Scarlet Witch and Vision. They are my favorite comic book couple, and uh, I... Uh, recently picked up a gigantic trade called Vision and Scarlet Witch. And it has a lot of their stories, whether it was Giant Size Avengers, where they first get married, uh, whether it has the Steve Englehart 12-issue miniseries, which a lot of people know about. 
But I'm recommending the four-part miniseries that preceded Steve Englehart's 12-issue run. And this one was done by uh, Bill Mantlo with art by Rick Leonardi. And uh, anytime I can uh, pump the tires of a Bill Mantlo book, I'm going to do so because definitely we should be all supporting the wonderful work that Bill Mantlo has done over the years. But this one in particular is really, really good because for the first time ever, they really just bring the Scarlet Witch and Vision uh, down to earth and, and make them a real couple that has like a real family. And basically every single issue, sans the first one, the first one's really just, you know, them moving into their house and they fight a wizard called Samhain and it's kind of like spooky and trick-or-treaty, which is good for this time of year. The rest of the issues, though, deal with Scarlet Witch or Vision's extended family. Like, so issue two deals with the wizard who was originally supposed to be Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's dad until they retcon that. Issue three deals with Vision's uh, extended family, like his quote-unquote brother in Wonder Man, his father in Ultron, uh, even his stepbrother in um, The Grim Reaper. And that's really a cool issue. But the main reason you should read this book is issue four which introduces the notion that the real true father of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver was Magneto, right? For, and that was the way it was for decades. Magneto was their dad. It made total sense because if you look at Quicksilver and you look at Magneto, they pretty much look like the same dude. And so, well, not, like, not the wispy hair thing again. Not the wispy <laughs> hair. Art does not <laughs> denote genetics. Well, regardless, it all made sense. So you have that issue. It's, I think it's called Revelations or whatever, and it's basically Magneto comes out and says, "Yeah," because it was about the it was it was at the same time that Magneto was making his face turn in the mid '80s. Mm -hmm. You know, he was going to become like the headmaster of the X Men, and so like this was kind of like, "Yeah, here's another thing we can do to humanize Magneto. We'll make him a dad." And then later they fucked it all up, and I goddamn <laughs> hated it. But anyways, this is really good because it was still while it was nice. And Vision and Scarlet Witch are a good couple. And so it was before they John Byrne killed him. And so you should read it. Four mm. issues. And I think it's really, really well read. And the Rick Leonardi art is just great. Chad. Okay. So I alluded to this earlier. My recommendation is going to be something that really shouldn't be as good as it is. It is Injustice, Gods Among Us, the comic book. Now, this ran for a ton of issues. They broke it up into years. Tom Taylor did the writing on years one through three, and then Bruce Buccioletto takes over. Sometimes, uh, you know, they were working in tandem. And it is the setup for basically the DC Comics uh, Mortal Kombat. Round one, fight! And you would think, oh, this is just going to be a silly video game tie-in. But they gave it to Tom Taylor. You got pathos, you got heart, you got somebody who understood the DC universe, and basically, they take DC's cast of characters, they sprinkle in some Civil War elements, you know, so you can get the fighting game, and you get the whole Batman side of things versus the Superman side of things, but then you have all those Tom Taylor moments, like, uh, at one point, Damien sides with Superman, and there's a fight, and, you know, Damien's fighting against Nightwing and, and Batman, and one of them dies because they slip on something and break their neck mm. and the fight just stops. But it's like, oh my goodness. And so 
it should be this stupid video. I can't get over that. It should be a stupid video game thing where people are, you know, breaking backs and spines and like that stuff like that happens there too. But like, there are those moments of heart and realism and like, you know, people always say, why hasn't Batman ever killed the Joker? The, the crux of the story is Superman finally kills the Joker. The Joker man, you know, takes out Lois and takes out, you know, the things that Superman cares about and he goes crazy and then eventually becomes totalitarian fascist. But, uh, man, oh man, it's so fun to watch some characters turn and some characters not. And then there are moments like at one point, uh, Alfred gets pumped up on super juice and fights Superman. Like there, there are all these moments that you just take your Oktoberfest beverage and hold it up in the air and be like, hell yeah. (laughs) Speaking of which Chad, I mean, there's actually also other books in that injustice thing that had no business being good, but they were super good. Like there was the the injustice. The universe. Yeah, Injustice versus the Masters of the Universe, where you basically they tell the tale of like why He-Man and Superman need Prince Adam and and Clark Kent because it makes them human. Like if you have godlike powers, you need that alter quote unquote ego to bring you back down to Earth so that you can actually relate with the people you're trying to protect. And that's what Superman lost. That was another book. I was just like, this has no business being good, but it was really yeah. great. No, it was something, I'll be honest, I found it on the cheap at one of my favorite uh, discount outlets. And I was like, yeah, I'll read this just for fun. And after I read the, the first chapter, I was like, holy crap, i got to go back and get the second and the third one and the fourth one. And one of the artists may or may not be a terrible human being. So yeah. uh, I would recommend, instead of buying it, borrow it from your library. Borrow it from a friend. But uh, it, it's worth your time. And it shouldn't be. But it is. And it's so funny that I, I like it so much because there's so much about it that I don't. Like, I feel like a lot of that inspired some of the Snyderverse thinking about some of these characters. And, you know, like, I hate that. But I like this story. You know, the fact that it's Mortal Kombat style, like, oh, we're going to break you and destroy you. I hate that. But I love Toasty. this story. I don't enjoy those dark things. I like my DC characters to be hopeful and all that other stuff. But, uh, Despite all those things like being stacked against it, Tom Taylor, this is where he put himself on the map for me. And it makes you care about the DCU. And it's, it's you know, you're like, man, oh, day, if this guy ever gets his shot at a regular DC book, look out. And lo and behold, he finally got a shot on Nightwing. And it seems like he's taken over his own corner of the DC universe. So he's got Nightwing now. Mm-hmm. He's got Titans. Like, uh, they're, they're giving it to him. And it's, it's well-deserved. But Injustice, check it out from your local library. Borrow it from a friend. Buy it from a store and then return it. But check out Injustice Gods Among Us. Right. And we hope that you check out more Last Comic Shop here in the Halloween season. As you're sitting out there waiting for the trick-or-treaters, make sure you throw on a Last Comic Shop podcast to keep yourself company. And you can rate, review, and subscribe over at our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, to do so. And one of the episodes in the past that you might want to check out is another Tom Taylor book that we did. That was Superman, Son of Kal-El. So, like, we did that book in a past episode. You might want to check that out if you really are enjoying Tom Taylor's work on comics. And we did Nightwing, too. We, and we did Nightwing, too! We're all over the place with the Tom Taylors. But yeah, and you can also find us on social media. X is still a thing. Uh, the blue Skies. Yeah, uh, do you look at it and become a zombie? Maybe? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? I don't know. But we're Apparently. out there. We have those polls on X. We have Golden Age covers on the occasion to help tuck you into bed at night. 
and worst case scenario, you can always find us back at the home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast, where they can find what else, J.A.? We also have links to our merch store. You can get T-shirts, tote bags, uh, coffee mugs. This week only, later, Hosen. <laughs> wonderful. Since you, since you have a barrel and don't want some splitters, we suggest you wear the later Hosen underneath. Can I get one of those hats? Can I get the hat with the feather? That's what I want. Like, the, I don't know. Isn't it a Tyrolean hat? It is a Tyrolean hat. Yes, a Tyrolean, there we go. Yes, yes. And, and to go along with the later Hosen and the hat, you could also get a wonderful Last Comic Shop shirt all with the spookness, right, J.A.? Yes, we've got, uh, for the Halloween season, the Bats in the Belfry from the last comic shop house on top okay. of the hill. Not we've a lighthouse. Not we've got a, a fumigate. <laughs> <laughs> got to call animal control. Take care of this bat problem. But yeah, and speaking of problems, we want to make sure that it's not a problem for you to get comics from your local comic shop. So get out there. Our recommendations this week, including Injustice. Kali out of Dark Horse, Vision and Scarlet Witch, the saga of Wanda and Vision, where you can get that wonderful four-part mini that Andy was talking about. It includes Dan Baraton's Nocturnals, but those are our recommendations for this week uh, at your local comic shop. Yeah, or local library. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful Mikey Wood. And we hope that you stay safe, stay alive. Because that anti-life equation might get you. And remember that an apple a day will keep anybody away as long as you throw it hard enough. <laughs> I like that one. Oh. I actually do. No, no, no. I like that one. Don't encourage him. Mike, don't encourage <laughs> I him. I have to. I have to give credit with the other one sucks so bad. <laughs> that, that one is so good. Shock was a 2023 Black Anders production.